Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. We are so happy that you're here. If you're new, we just go through the chunks of scripture that are like outlined in the Come Follow Me curriculum, and we point out stuff that uh, we think you don't want to miss. <laughs> so that's what that is, and we're so happy. Okay, Easter is coming, as you know. If you want to know more about this box of things for Easter, or this countdown that we created for the Easter week, go back to the Genesis 42 through 50 video at the beginning, and we give the whole explanation and everything you want to know there, or read your newsletter. That's the two ways that you can find out. Okay, and one other thing to help answer 25,000 people, (laughs) your questions. We're going to help you really quickly on this. Um, Okay, Uh, If you are um, in the app and you don't see a video or a podcast or a newsletter or something show up, it's really easy to get it to show up. You just swipe down like that and then it'll say so many fun things to share, okay? And then it should show up in there pretty easy. I know that's backwards for you, but just a simple swipe down and it should refresh and bring you the newest content that um, that you see is missing. Also, if you ever see, like, so see, I'm doing this backwards right now. This is so impressive, okay? (laughs) Um, This only goes so far, and they're kind of out of order, meaning, like, the most recent one is the farthest over. If you click this button right up here that says See All, you'll see the most recent one top, and it will show all of them in, in just one screen. So just click that See All, and that might be easier for you instead of, scrolling over and that works for the newsletters and the podcast it's all right there okay (laughs) and then here on the daily section um when you go into genesis and right here i know some of you are like i have to scroll all the way to the bottom to find my lessons for genesis this is the only book that will have a ton in it because there's just we spent so much time in genesis uh once we start the exodus dailies um which is right now, um, it will be a lot quicker and easier. Okay? So hopefully that answers all. That was good. That <laughs> yeah. was fast. If you're like, what in the heck is that? Just go to don'tmissthisapp.com. It will explain to you what our app is, just a convenient collection of everything all together. And also that daily section, which gives a small daily devotional, either for your own personal study um, that follows what we're on that week or for family, like night devotional, just a, a verse or a song and a question and piece of art or something. Something to ponder all day long if that's what you want. Yeah. So that is what that is. Okay. Now back to Egypt. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're still in Egypt. And today, starting today and next time, combined kind of become what will become Israel's national story. Hmm. It's like their, um, it is the identity, their identity as a people. Yeah. So both of those connected together because we'll go through the plagues and the Passover today and the next time spoiler is the Red Sea and that will just become something they hold on to and identify themselves as forever perpetually yeah right and we still do as Christians we still do that you know so um and Jewish people still do that too yeah right in in a different way so um here on the board get a good look at the board in case you're like wait I forgot what goes where 
The next thing that we're gonna do is after this beginning story of baby Moses right here up in slot number 14, you're gonna put this little thing which is the plagues, okay? Don't worry, a Passover picture's coming right here in case you're just like, wait, that was better than the plagues. I know, it got its own big box, okay? <laughs> so 14 is box. the plagues, um, which is kind of where we're gonna jump in and start. So you remember last time um, when Pharaoh, uh, I mean, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Pharaoh's response was, who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice. Why would I want to do that? And I think today in the plagues and Passover story, we get an answer to that question. Mm. You know, who is he? And at first glance, you might come up with an answer like, uh, oh, he's a plague sender, a harsh person. But I think as we study today, you'll discover um, a more clear answer and the answer that I think he wanted all of them to recognize as, you know, as we go through the story. So, He's asking that question, why? And the answer was, no, I'm not letting your people go. I think one thing to remember about um, this story as the Lord is going to begin to send plagues, right? To try and, you know, convince them, convince Pharaoh and Egypt to let them go, is the Lord is not going to let uh, oppression and, um, and mm. uh, uh, just the ugliness of Pharaoh go unanswered. Yeah. Right? It's like, they weren't just um, staying in the Egyptian Airbnb, right? They were oppressed. They had their faces smashed into the dirt. They were, their children were murdered. They, like they are in a, a very, very ridiculously oppressive situation. And for a really long time. Yeah. Like for years and years and years. And, and sometimes when you are in hard places, it's good to remember the, the Lord will intervene. He will intervene. That is his nature to intervene. Right, right. And I think it would be a safe assumption to go. If you were to interview the Israelites that lived in year 150 of slavery or year 205 of slavery, I think we would ask them, was, where was the Lord? And I think they could give us mm. answers. Even though there wasn't deliverance yet. And some, some of them lived their whole life, you know, as yeah. slaves in Egypt. But I think you could interview him and ask him, did you see him there preserving? Mm, did it you reminds see him me there strengthening? Of a time when I went um, on a tour to understand black history better. And on one of the places on the tour, there happened to be an older black man in the group with us. And, and we listened to that whole tour together. And then when we got to the end, I just I had kind of been watching him the whole time as he was going through the process of learning like we all were. And I went up to him after I just, we were talking for a minute and I said to him, can I ask you a question? And he said, yes. And I said to him, where was the Lord in this? And he looked at me to see if I was like genuine in mm. my asking. And then he said, let me tell you about my grandmother and that she lived this. She was in it. And he said, you know, you need to know that every time they came home from the fields, there was singing. And those songs were about the Lord and people can find the Lord in really hard places. And then he said something so interesting. He said to me, she used to say to me that they would pray every night 
but so would the people in the master's house would pray every night. And she said when she was a little girl, she would say, why does the Lord answer their prayers and he doesn't hear mine? And then she said, as she grew older, what she used to hear over and over again and what she would say to her children over again is in time, in time, in time. Mm. And she taught him there is learning that comes in the process of time and God was in the journey of the learning, which I just, I thought that was remarkable um, listening to him talk about it. And then it was so sweet because we were standing there, we were outside, we were under this big tree and then he just started singing Hmm. and he just had such a deep and, and his voice, I can remember just closing my eyes and just picturing, you know, what he had talked about and the hope that was in that song that they just held the whole time. And there was, there was something so deep about that for me when I was going through that learning process. Oh, that is, that's beautiful. Um, and then deliverance really does come. We don't know why the Lord, um, takes time Mm. to bring about his deliverance. And, and there, uh, we could speculate, you know, on there, but for some reason he waited, um, then, and he waits here, you know, and, and, uh, eventually though that deliverance comes. And this is a story that does remind us that God doesn't let all of that go unanswered, Mm. right? There's, there's something to be, And I love that there's something important within this story. Um, As he talks about to Israel, I will bring you out. And then it says, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And there's something powerful about story. Like even for me, as I listen to that man tell the story of the history of his people and his grandmother and, and that hope, you know, that she just clung to that whole time. There is something powerful about story. And for me, I think I have found the most learning, the most understanding comes when I'm willing to sit down with someone and say to them, tell me your story and to ask the hard questions. Where was God in this? Where was he? And to learn from people who have actually walked through it is so powerful. And one of the things that I love is that this is a story that gets told over and over and over again. This story about the deliverance from Egypt, um, it's told so many times. And I loved the thought um, of this idea of, oh, I thought I marked it down. Oh, I did. Um, That says this, I'm reading out of the Torah, the importance of repeating this story and telling it over and over again. And it said, therefore, even if all of us were wise, All of us people of understanding, all of us learned in Torah, it would still be our obligation to tell the story of the Exodus from Egypt. And I just, I love the thought that there is power in story and in reminding people of the hard things. Like today we're going to talk about, we're not just going to talk about the Red Sea deliverance. We're going to talk about this process of delivery. We're going to talk about the hard things and there's power in the story of the hard things. Um, They tell it over and over in the Bible. We'll see it in the Old Testament. We see people talking about it in the New Testament, but I also love that we will see it in the Book of Mormon also at least 10 times Nephi and and Alma and other prophets will refer back to this moment, this story that we're supposed to keep telling. 
And I think there's several reasons why the story is retold. I think it's because it shows us the character of God, what we're going to talk about. I think it shows us the power of his miracles. And I think it shows us that he is a God of second chances and third chances and as many chances as it's going to take to try to win a heart. And we love this thought that God wants to save Egypt as much as he wants to save Israel. And I think that as we look at these plagues, they were both to punish, but also to instruct. Yeah. And, and maybe even to inspire too. Um, Mm. We wish we had the full version of that story. And really, you could fill that blank in in so many different ways that he wants to save Egypt as much as he wants to save Israel. He wants to save Pharaoh as much as he wants to save Moses. That he wants to save me as much as he wants to save you. You know, wh- yeah, wh- whatever that so good. may be. And because you'll read the plague story and you think to yourself, why did it take 10? Like if God's all knowing, pick the 10th one, <laughs> like start out with the yeah. one that's actually, if that's your intention. And so you see in here a different intention, you know, of the Lord. And I love too that um, at the beginning, you think the battle was between Moses and the magicians, and we're going to watch that happen. But what we end up realizing is this battle is actually between God and Pharaoh. And through the process, he will either become bitter or he will become better. And we all, we all get that consideration, right? We all get that consideration. I love when you look at the order of things. And as we go through these plagues, it'll be interesting to think about this because just like you said, he didn't start with the worst. Um, In the beginning, there's just this unpleasantness, um, right? It's the water and smell. It's just unpleasant, you know, but then next there's like unpleasant company, Right. Instead of just being, you go to the water and the water's not what you want, or you go down where the fish are and it stinks. Well, now that is going to invade into their houses, right? Now their living space becomes unpleasant. There's frogs and then there's lice and flies and swarms and gnats. And and that becomes like a little bit more, we go inside when the flies get bad, you know, and and that you couldn't there, there was no like getting away from that. And then it turned to stinging and irritation. And then all of a sudden there was actually real sickness of man and of beast. And then those intense storms that came and the enemies that came through the form of locusts and then darkness and then death. And it's so interesting that it just, it moved from the, like almost the softest approach to the approach that would glean the most attention yeah. in the end. Um, I just reading this out of this devotional book, just to end thought about that verse five, where in chapter seven, where it says, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Just as we study this, something to remember that the Lord was just as interested in saving Pharaoh as he was in saving Moses. The Lord loved the Egyptians with the same love that he had for the Israelites. Pharaoh was hardening his heart, but the Lord was trying to win it. Perhaps that is why he gave so many chances. Mm. And, and I, I, you know, this is when you said the battle was not between Moses and Pharaoh, um, what I thought you were going to say, and I think this is what you meant by it, is that it really the battle was between Pharaoh and Pharaoh, mm. where he was like, who, what am I going to give in to? Yeah. Am I going to finally submit to God? Mm. Because God's on his side, right? Yeah. 
Am I going to, or am I going to submit to like being power hungry and stubborn and what, yeah. you know? Well, it's the same story as Jacob and God. Right. Am I going to let God prevail? And Jacob eventually does. Yeah. Right. After all of those yeah. chances. But Pharaoh, when in that same wrestle with God, Pharaoh doesn't. And that's true for all of us, right? It, it really is that moment where we can allow God to prevail and become better or we will harden our heart and become bitter. And you almost see in the plagues, like almost a process of what happens in us when we push so hard uh, against God and against divine law. Like it, mm. our souls really do begin to deteriorate, Yeah, you know? And so you see almost that happening and the Lord keep trying to intervene, you know? Right. And I love that the, this order of things that he intervenes in the least in inconvenient way possible as at the beginning that he's like, here, maybe this will help. Maybe this will help. Maybe this will help until finally he's like, at this point, I just, I have to get my people out of this place. But I love so many chances along the way. So it's going to be fun because as we go through these things, what we want you to be watching is not simply the plague, but Pharaoh's response in particular and the other people's response also when it when it is shown to us we want to watch the response to what is happening it is interesting you'll see on um, the side of the journal if you're in the journal or we've also um, put it in the tip-ins because it, i think it's really fascinating that part of the story um, has to do with the gods of egypt at the time which is such an important part of their culture, their society, what is going on. So as, as each of these plagues happen, it's not just random, but actually it's setting God up against the God of Egypt in each of those scenarios. And as it starts, the magicians actually try to compete with Moses's God and, and they stay in stride for a little while, but then things start for to like turn. Two. Yeah. yeah, for two. Yeah, <laughs> the third one. Um, and I love the thought of, and you've got this in the journal. We've also got this on the tip-ins that each of these things would be in relation to one of these gods, the God of the Nile, the frog headed God, the God of the earth. As you go through, we put that in the journal. If that's something that interests you, just watching um, this pattern and take place in the strategy of what is happening here. And we'll just highlight a couple of Pharaoh's responses and others' responses, but just that would be a great study. Um, if you wanted to keep studying more about this, to watch the responses in chapter 7 through 12 of Pharaoh, of the Israelites, of the Egyptians, just the different groups. And we'll just highlight some as, as we go through. Um, when you get into that very first plague, which is the water of the Nile being turned to blood, um, Pharaoh's response you find in chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. And it's interesting. It says, when the magicians of Egypt did the same thing with their enchantments, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, house or his health, um, <laughs> and said, neither did he set his heart to this also. If you click your or look down your footnote, you find out that's a Hebrew idiom that means he paid no regard even to this. So this is how plague one, this is Pharaoh's response to it. He's just like, I actually don't even, I don't care. I don't care what you're asking. I don't care what you're doing. I'm giving no attention to this. It'll be interesting to see how that changes mm -hmm. throughout all yeah. of the, 
plagues. And then the people of Egypt, it says in verse 24, they digged round about the river for water to drink, for they couldn't drink the water of the river. And you just, their initial response is like, okay, well, we better find another way to get water. Like the Nile's ruined yeah. for some reason. And, and this is a place where you really feel like it is just an inconvenience. Yeah. Right? That they're just like, we'll just look for surface water somewhere else and, and try and figure out what to do here. Yeah. Then you move into the frogs, right, in chapter 8. And um, the frogs come. And you know this story, probably. And as you watch it and read it, just assume this is happening every single time, this pattern. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And he's like, I'm not going to. And he's like, if you don't, this is going to happen. And then he will prophesy of the plague. And then Pharaoh will say, like, bring it. And then it will come. (laughs) And it is so bad that then Pharaoh will go back to Moses and say, okay, your people can go. And then when the, if you stop the plague and when the Lord stops the plague, Pharaoh will change his mind. Like this is repeated 10 times. Which is kind of the struggle with temptation, right? There will come a moment when you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do that again. You set your mind, then life goes back to original patterns and we kind of cycle back into whatever is that trigger. We go back to that place and you're going to watch this cycle happen again and again with him just trying to figure out. And I love to the water to blood, the magicians are like, we, we know how to do that. And when the frogs come, it's interesting because this one, the magicians can actually increase the frogs also, which I thought was so interesting, but they can't decrease the frogs. So here's where there starts to, to we get to the push and shove, right? You know, of this, okay, what, make these go away. Um, and, and so you'll see in Pharaoh's response, he will say in verse eight, entreat the Lord. You know, he chapter actually, eight. Yeah, chapter eight, verse eight. Mm-hmm. He actually says to them, instead of like, I don't care, he actually goes to Moses for the first time and says, Okay, will you ask the Lord for me to stop this plague, please? Then when he stops it, he hardens his heart again in verse 15 and says, Never mind. But the magician's verse, like you were just saying, is mm-hmm. pretty awesome. And that's in verse 19. In the second plague, the magicians actually go to Pharaoh and they say, uh, This is the finger of God. Um, we, we can't recreate this. Yeah, we can't compete. Yeah, there's something... It's not that big of a deal, they say, because it's just his finger. finger. <laughs> but it is bigger than what we're capable of. So then you kind of will see similar thing happen with the gnats that come. And then something happens in the flies. When the flies come, later on in chapter 8, starting in verse about 25... And he says, Pharaoh says to them, he calls for Moses when the flies come and he says, okay, go ahead and sacrifice um, to your God in the land. You, you can leave and, and go out. And Moses says, we'll go three days journey into the wilderness. Verse 27, that's what we're going to do. And then in 28, the Pharaoh says, I'll let you go. that You may sacrifice to the Lord, your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far, <laughs> you know? And so you kind of see him like, just like, you're allowed to, but not three days, like your Lord is asking. I, 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 just, I need to keep a leash on you, Yeah. and I only need you to go not very far. Yes, and, um, and then there is going to be this part right here where this plague is going to come. And then this part is so awesome when Goshen is going to be set apart right now. So Goshen is the land where, where the Israelites Israel are living. Lives. And we don't know about the first two plagues. We were talking about that before, whether or not... They were as affected by those, but what happens now as 
now that we're going to get to not just an inconvenience happening, but actual, um, like the the things are going to get harder and harder. There is going to be this moment where he says in verse 22, chapter eight, I will sever in that day, the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end that thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. And tomorrow shall this sign be. And I love this thought of the division between the people. We're going to see this repeated all the way through Old Testament stories, this division, this having to choose. Um, If you're going to choose the Lord or not choose the Lord, sometimes they call it the difference between the holy and the profane or um, the the people who are set apart and things that are common, Um, that it actually is going to be a choice to be the Lord's people. And he's going to allow agency, right? He's going to allow you to choose to be set apart, to be peculiar, to be different. That's actually a choice. But I love that he sets apart that division right now that he's like, from this moment on, the plagues will be, um, will not be in Goshen. If you want a safe place, if you want to not be um, in what is happening here, there, there is a safe place set apart that the people could go to and dwell within and God would be there in the midst. And I love that he, he sets this out right now. There is this poem from the Torah that I love so much. I'm going to do my best to be a good poet right now, but I love as it talks through this process of the plagues and this setting apart, it says this, you need like a beat or something? Oh, no. <laughs> Make it worse. Could you also, remember last time you turned on music and scared me so bad. <laughs> no, last time you flopped so... your journal and it scared me. Okay, that was this the time I'm just going to read the okay. poem, okay? Um, compute the plagues. Your little finger dip in spittle of the grape and at each pest shake off the drop with the vindictive zest. Thus first the Nile, a gash. Then frogs that skip upon the prince's coverlet, the rip made by dark nails that seek the itching guest, the plague of moraine carcasses, the pest, full boils that stud the Ethiop leg to lip, the guerdon of hot hell, the fists of God, the swarm of locusts nibbling Egypt clean, thick darkness oozing from out Moses' rod, and firstborn slain, the mighty and the mean. Compare these plagues that fell on Egypt's sod, then add, in Goshen, these were never seen. I just love the thought of that so much. Just every description of what was happening there. And um, like, for some reason, those words like make me want to itch, you know, they make like. (laughs) When you read the plagues, you really. Yes. Um, And then I just love that, that last line that in, in Goshen, they were never Scene. And this is a pattern that you see throughout the rest of scripture also, right? That there is a place of safety to run mm. to, right? We just see, yep. you know, you see it in the, just so many different places um, with Nephi and Lehi's family leaving and the New Testament for the destruction of Jerusalem. Like you just see that. And well, and you love in the Doctrine and Covenants, we kept talking about Zion, yeah, right? The As a place, place of, of refuge, refuge and right. safety and and where is that refuge now? And it's within the stakes of Zion. That is where the refuge can be found. And, and you just love from the beginning. He was like, I will set apart holy places that will be safe 
for you if you choose to go there. And this is, remember when we said before we started the Old Testament that understanding the Old Testament will actually open up your understanding and imagery and so much of the rest of scripture. And um, the Lord will use the imagery of the mm. plagues of Egypt again and again. And one of the most prominent places he does that is in the second coming. You know, he will use same similar words of what you see happening in Egypt to talk about the plagues that will precede the second coming. Um, yeah, yeah, in the book of Revelation where you see the bowls. Right, right. Or, um, you know, all of those things. And and interesting that they also follow a similar pattern of starting small and increasing in, I don't know what the word would be. Intensity, but In intensity maybe. as you get closer to the second coming, that the similar pattern that we saw in Egypt is still part of how the Lord works today. And and it's his way of um, of both sometimes punishing, like you talked about, that there will be an answer for Injustice, behavior yeah, that is yeah. unjust, but also um, to entreat or to instruct or to give people a chance to, to say, do I want to run to the place that is set apart? Do I want to go to the safe place? And we talk a lot more about that in our second coming class, but I love that we see it paralleled right here. Yeah, if, if you have if you have that second coming class, after you study this chapter, you might want to go back to that lesson that was about that division and separation mm. and the plagues. And I think it will really come alive yeah. a little bit more for you. Um, I uh, Oh, and I was going to say, as we were talking about, we don't know what happened like with the first two plagues. If I had my wish yeah. for what happened, <laughs> I can't rewrite history. But I, I would kind of wish that it did impact the Israelites, because you see both of those happening and you see the Lord speaking about that in second coming language. Like you yeah. will be impacted by these things. Like if you live on this earth, it's going to impact you. But then there is also a protection and a separation mm. too. Like you, like, I yeah. feel like we experience both of them. That's so good. You know? Yeah, that's okay, so good. Okay. So as you go through, you'll see, you'll keep seeing that happen. Now keep noticing how you know, like the difference and the division that will happen there. There's something that interesting that happens in chapter nine, um, verse 12. Well, and, and before you get there, can I do, can yeah. we do this part? Yeah, yeah. In nine, right at the very beginning, then the Lord says unto Moses, go in unto Pharaoh, I'm in verse one, and tell him, thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For if thou refuse to let them go and will hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field and upon the horses and the asses and the camels and the oxen and the sheep, um, right? There, it's going to be everywhere. Uh, there's going to be this severe plague that is going to come. And do you notice that word right there that it, it goes from, this is the finger of the Lord. And the Lord says, Moses, go back to him and tell him he's about to see my hand, right? <laughs> Things are going to get a lot bigger and a lot worse than what he's said, and he needs to know that's how things are going to progress right now. And so not only are you going to see it in how the Lord responds, but you're going to also see it in how Pharaoh responds. Yeah. So if you go to verse 12, um, this, you'll notice this throughout the beginning of Exodus. So just pay close attention to this. Uh, verse 12 says, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he hearkened not unto them. And if you'll just look in your footnotes, click it. The JST changes that to, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. So there are some times where it says, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. 
And it seems as if like, you might ask that question, like, why would the Lord harden somebody's heart? And that's either um, a, a Hebrew way of speaking or a translation error or something there. But that JST correction is, no, 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 Pharaoh was the one hardening his heart. Um, and he had the, the chance Lord. every time, right? He has the chance right. every time. But And we love that Joseph Smith is like, watch Pharaoh's response here. Start watching what is happening here. And I, again, we'll see that through all of scripture. Hard hearts and soft hearts is something that we watch is just true about the nature of man and who we are and how we respond. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just love that you said that at the beginning, just talking about because sometimes you read this story and you're just like, Pharaoh is such a jerk and an idiot. And then you're just kind of like, I, actually, he's the most relatable character. Yes, in the story. <laughs> in the whole story. And, yes. and if you look in this chapter, I think it's awesome, 914. For he says, the Lord says, for I will at this time send all my plagues upon thy heart and upon thy servants. Isn't that interesting? Like the plagues yeah. intentions were for your heart and upon thy people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. I will stretch out my hand, verse 16, and in very deed for this cause have I raised you up to show in you my power that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Who is the Lord? And he says, please know I'm the God of winning hearts. Like that is what I want to be declared. My power has an intention and I want you to be clear on what the intention is is that's so good so you have you get down to this next spot that we want to look at and it's when the hail starts to come in chapter 9 and this interesting verse where pharaoh calls for moses in 27 and he actually says um pharaoh sent and called for moses and aaron and he said unto them i have sinned this time the lord is righteous and i and my people are wicked entreat the lord and and i will let you go and that's interesting that he kind of just starts um that you that he shall stay no longer, where he's almost has this idea of like in the parentheses in twenty eight it says for it is enough. He gets to the spot where he's like, okay, I learned my lesson. That's enough. I I can see I'm in the wrong. Please stop the hail. Um, obviously, not obviously, but as you know, once the hail stops, he changes his mind again. But there is this interesting um, response of the people in Egypt yeah, for the hail. which is so interesting. I love this part in um, 9, verse um, 20. Well, well, I'm going to start in 19, chapter 9, verse 19. Send therefore now and gather thy cattle and all that thou hast in the field. For upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field and shall not be brought home, the hell shall come down upon them and they shall die. And then I love this in verse 20 because remember we're watching for signs that these plagues maybe would entreat some people or instruct some people about the Lord. And in verse 20, it says, He that feared the words of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. So I love that there is there are people in Egypt that are like, okay, we need to do whatever the children of Israel are doing. That's what we need to do now to stay safe. And you you start feeling this, um, that there is something about watching people who are separate that can become protective and mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. inspire people who might be watching. Yeah, yeah. And I love that same sort of like thought process with these days leading up to the second coming too, where it's just like there will be something about being distinct and different that will mm-hmm. inspire other people, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And so, I, I mean, I'm all for trying to find and build bridges between each other and finding what yes. is common. That is like a passion of both of ours. There's also something really unique about being a distinct covenant people. You're like, we find protection from what's happening in the world in our covenants. Yeah. And and people will see that. And it's and don't you love that the Lord um, actually teaches them the method of protection? He tells them yeah. before it comes. Yeah, this is if how you If you want to be protected, yeah. whoever you are, this is how you're going to be protected. Yeah, and you love that thought even in our day. The, the prophet in our day will tell us how to stay protected in our time from whatever the plagues are going to look like in our time. Yeah. He will say to us, this is what this should look like. This is what this should look like. Moses didn't just say one thing. There wasn't just one answer. He, the answer was not go in your house and keep all your cattle in there for the 10 plagues. That was the answer for that plague. Mm. And I love that the prophet for every plague will say, this is going to be the best way to make it through. And then this is going to be the best way to make it through. And that he's just going to walk us through everyone and say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do to be safe. And the invitation is to all. And some within the church will respond, but the response within the church may also affect those without the church who might also say, respond. And, and I think there will be social and cultural things that will make it seem like, why do, why would we need to bring our cows in the barn? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks fine. You know, the mm -hmm. sky looks fine. Mm -hmm. And sometimes um, no one may be talking about it except for Moses or except for Noah. You know, that it, it may seem like that feels weird, but okay, that is what I'll do. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really love that you talked about the fact that I, I think that's why we're kind of invited sometimes and and um, someone will make a reel of President Nelson's words or a short little video clip, something that's super shareable because he's like, yeah. we actually want all people in this world to be protected from the disintegration that's happening morally and spiritually yeah. that, and, and the dangers that are that are there. Um, okay, as you get toward the end of this, you really see Pharaoh kind of make a change here. If you come into chapter 10, which is the, the plague of locusts that are coming and then darkness that, that come... In verse seven, you see the servant saying, how long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let them go that they may serve the Lord their God. And it's just heartbreaking that these people are experiencing the, the consequences of their, of their leader, you know? Yeah, and, and, the, and I love that part when he's like, do you not recognize that Egypt is being destroyed? Like, yeah. I love that they're just like, look, look what is happening. Yes, yeah. And then Pharaoh actually says, if you go down into... 8 through 10, he says, um, go ahead and serve the Lord. Well, and it's so God. interesting because he's he's going to negotiate, yeah. right? It's, <laughs> it's not a full permission. He's like, I will begin negotiations is yeah. what Pharaoh wants to say. And 10, he's like, but who's going to go? Yeah. And Moses says back, we're all going. <laughs> yeah. The young, the I old, the sons, like, the daughters, every um, sheep we have. <laughs> yeah. I, that's what I love. That he's like, okay, let's. Let's talk about this, Moses. What does this look like? It's the first time that he's like, "We, I will negotiate with you. But then as soon as he finds out everybody is going to go, you love in verse 11 when he's like, not so. Yeah, just, <laughs> nope. uh, just the <laughs> men are work. allowed to go and that's what's going to happen. And then the locusts come, you know, and then verse 16, this is an interesting phrase that Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste. And he said, I've sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, verse 17, 
Forgive, I pray thee, my sin only this once, and entreat the Lord that he may take away this death from me and my land. Um, and so this is the first time that you actually see him saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, forgive me. Yeah. You know, for this. And then. But once... don't you love that he's like, just only this once. <laughs> like, I've only been wrong this time is what it feels like he's saying. <laughs> I love that. But just me. <laughs> just <I know>. like, <laughs> why? Why has he been such an enemy until now when I'm like, oh, Pharaoh's my reflection. Um, and then the rest of Egypt you'll find in there is saying, let them go. Just let them go and 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 be gone. Um, and then you get to this uh, very last plague where um, in chapter 11, the Lord says, okay, now go tell them there is another plague coming. And, and this plague is, um, is probably the worst of them all, right? It's almost as if all of justice and judgment at one moment and on one night will come into that place. And he tells them the firstborn of everyone in the land, including Egypt and Israel and beast, the firstborn of all is, is going to die on this given night. There is a, a, a destroying angel that will come through the land of Goshen and Egypt and will, and that is what will, that is what will happen. And, um, but when he gives that warning, he also gives in chapter 12 that manner of protection, right? And he just says, this is what is going to happen. But if you want it to be prevented, if you want it to pass over you, then this is what you would need to do, right? And that's actually our word. And we're coming into chapter 12, which is um, this, the Passover chapter and the explanation of the, of the Passover. And um, this is kind of, this will be continued and become the identity of the people for, you know, forever and ever. And it's interesting that up until now, up until this particular plague, right, Goshen was set apart and different if you lived in, in I guess if you lived in Goshen, if you went to Goshen, right, it, it protected you. Um, and this one, he says, this plague is going to impact Everyone, every house, every house, right? Which makes you feel like, oh, this is a symbol for that plague of justice and judgment coming on all the earth. Like no one can live up to the law. No one's loved their neighbor as themselves. Mm. No one has, yeah. no one is free from mistake and, and sin. But the Lord says this, he gives us instruction in chapter 12. Now we gave you a little box on the, <laughs> on the journal to remind you to use your big page next to it to kind of just fill in what you want to write here. About the Passover. And I love this too, as we enter into this Passover idea that I love that there was a city set apart, but for this last plague, just being in the city was not enough. Mm. That every home also had to be set apart and protected. And I really love the image of that. Just just being in the faith community wasn't enough yeah, well at, at the last part, but every single home had to be set apart as a covenant people, as as people who knew the Lord. That, yeah. That's what you that's what you had to have. You had to know the Lord. When we study Matthew 25, we will talk about those three parables next year um, of the 10 virgins, you remember, and then the talents, and then 
the sheep and the goats. And the one thing that is common, well, there's several common things, but for me, the one thing that just stands out to me is what set apart the foolish from the wicked in every story was they did not know the Lord. Hmm. And the people who did not know the Lord were not prepared when the end came. And I feel like that is what is happening here is it wasn't enough just to be in the community, right. in the city. The right your religion, the right home, people, right? Yeah, you had to... Your home had to actually know the Lord, who yeah. he was. Yeah. Exercise faith in yeah, and, what you're going to find out, the blood of the lamb. That's yes. going to be the fill in the blank, yeah. right? Is yep. those who exercise faith in the blood of the lamb. So in 12, uh, just go with me for a minute through this to understand this chapter. In verse 2, he says, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Up until that point, the month that they're in is the sixth month of the year. And the Lord is saying here, essentially, what's about to happen tonight is so revolutionary and so different. You're going to start marking time differently. It is going to become the new year for you from now on. Like It's going to be so Big And he says, speak unto the congregation of Israel saying in the 10th day of this month, take every, take to them, every man, a lamb. This is verse three, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And it is mm-hmm. interesting that it's a, it's a family affair, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like every house shall take a lamb. Every family will take a lamb. Verse four says, if you um, can share with your neighbors, invite your neighbors over, which is actually kind of mm-hmm. yeah. awesome. Um, In verse five, he says this about the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. You're seeing a lot of Jesus symbolism Mm -hmm. in that verse five. The one you might not notice right off the bat is that idea to take it out of the sheep or from the goats. Um, That's a word to set it apart, to set it aside, to anoint it for um, a certain purpose. Right in Greek, that's Christos. In Hebrew, that's Messiah. That's where we get that to set something apart. And then he says in six, which is so interesting, you shall keep it, the lamb, until the fourteenth day of the same month. Now go back a couple verses and find out you brought it in on the tenth day, and then on the fourteenth day, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. That's going to be so sad. I know. <laughs> It's not like he picks like a warthog, you know, he actually yes. picks like this, the most endearing animal. And man, if it's in your house from day 10 to 14, it's got a name by yeah. day 14. And, and it is just endeared to everybody. And I think that actually might be part of the symbolism of this. Mm-hmm. I want you to get to know it. I want you to become endeared to it. Um, I want this to be an emotional experience for you. And then you will kill it in that evening. And then you will take the blood, verse 7, and you will strike it on the two side posts and the upper door posts of the house. And, and then you will have this meal of unleavened bread and bitter herbs together. And, and, and you will eat it in haste with your shoes on and your staff ready. And then 12, verse 12, it says, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and I'll smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. In verse 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you. And that's where we get the name of that is that that plague will pass over 
that particular home. We love, we had two tip-ins for this lesson. Everyone's sorry, but there were two things that we loved. And we love this painting by Eva Timothy of um, this blood being painted on the door, but also that little lamb um, right there, just to remind you that this wasn't just easy. It wasn't like making dinner, um, but it was this process that they went through to prepare them for what was about to come, this, this heart preparation that was going to become really significant and really symbolic for them. And, and telling, obviously, of a future event here. When, when those of you who are first born in a family, that evening would have been particularly emotional for you because you would have sat at the table and there on the table was this this lamb. Yeah. And and you would have thought to yourself, the only reason I'm going to live is because that lamb died in my place. That we see this substitution. Safety. Yeah. And, yeah. By yeah, atonement. And, right, right. To for that something else can can take your place. And it really, really drew, you know, everybody in. And then the Lord says this in 14, this day shall be unto you a memorial. And you will keep a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You will keep a feast by an ordinance forever. From now on to the end, till forever. I want you to commemorate what happened this night. I want you to commemorate the night you were set free by the blood of the Lamb. I want you to commemorate the innocent sacrifice that rid you of the chains and the slavery of Egypt. I, oh, I just want you to keep remembering this night and day. Tell the story again and again. And I think it's so interesting as they're keeping this Passover meal. Remember, they have their shoes on. They, they're like, be ready. And it is so interesting to me that like deliverance is going to come in, immediately after this one happens. Yeah. Which don't you think that's so interesting? Because it's the same as when Jesus died. Deliverance came immediately as soon as that was um, performed and and seen through. And I love that what happens in this case is in the night, in the middle of the night, it tells us Exodus 12, verse 30, Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. There was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not at least one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up and get you forth from my people, both you and all the children of Israel go and serve the Lord, as you said, and take your hurts as you have said. And then I love in 32 when he's like, and be gone, he tells him. Mm. And then do you love this little afterthought right here? And bless me also Yeah. (laughs) at the end where he's like, you just feel the defeat of like, there is something bigger than me happening right here in, in what is going on. And I love that importance of just being ready, being ready for deliverance and expecting it, living in anticipation of that the Lord will keep his promise. Yeah. And it's interesting that he, that he wants them to remember that there's so many things that I feel like he's like this. I, I want you to keep this feast a memorial forever. I want you to reenact it. I want you to keep telling yeah. the story because there's a couple things that I want you to remember. And it's so fun to look at those verses. I'm just going to take you through those right now because this is one of my favorite parts of the story. In chapter 12, we see it the first time where you read it in verse 14. This day shall be unto you for a memorial and you will keep it, this feast, by ordinance 
forever. And I love that thought of there will be ordinances that we just keep to remind us yeah. of things. So that's in 14. You might want to mark all of these um, in a similar fashion. So you have it. We see it again in 12 verse 26. It shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, what mean ye by this service that ye shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed the head and worshiped and the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses at, so did they. Then you're going to see it again in verse 42. It is a night to be much observed under the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is the night of the Lord to be observed in all the children of Israel in all their generations. And then in chapter 13, again, verse 14, it shall be when thy son asks thee in a time to come saying, what is this? that thou shalt say unto him by the strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out from Egypt from the house of bondage. Um, and in chapter 14, um, you'll see it again. Why have we done this that we have? Oh no, that, that was the last one. Now I was going to get into the Red Sea and we'll <laughs> save that for next time. Um, one of the things that I love about all of those verses put together is I love the thought of the people who experienced it, right? The generation that was old enough to remember painting on the doors and to remember putting on their shoes and to remember being ready to go. There was a generation that remembered it. But I love when it talks about in a time to come when your children shall say, what mean ye? by this, that it is the job of the older generation to then mm. pass that down to the younger generation and the younger generation. And I think about that Easter tradition that we love so much with the red Easter eggs and how at that time in Serbia, um, when they were, um, they were in captivity and they were not allowed to speak of the Lord. They were not allowed to worship in the way they wanted to worship. Mm. And so one night, a year, they, in the middle of the night, they would get together as families and they would dye these Easter eggs red with onion skins. They would just dye them red. And while they were doing it, it was the job of the oldest woman in the house to teach of Christ while they were going. And that, that's a long process, dyeing Easter eggs red. That It would take all night long. And I love the thought of this grandmother just sharing this is what our home believes. This is who the Lord is. This is, um, you know, what is happening here. And the next morning they would take those eggs from neighbor to neighbor to deliver them. But those red eggs would sit out on there somewhere in their home to remind them, we believe in the Lord. We mm. believe in deliverance. We mm. believe in this. And I love the thought of that tradition. We see it everywhere. But that setting apart a home as a home that believes in our family, what we love to do is on our Easter dinner, everyone has a red egg that sits by their plate. And then we do that right before we eat. Whoever is the oldest woman in the room bears her testimony of hmm. Jesus Christ before we have our dinner. And my kids will tell you if they, if you were to ask them, they vividly remember those parts of our Easter celebrations. And, um, in particular one, when grandma Bonnie was at our house for that Easter and her sharing her testimony of the Lord and where they had seen his deliverance 
in their mm. life that year. And it, it just is a beautiful memory, this thought of tell the stories of deliverance, tell the stories of where you've seen the hand of the Lord, pass those down from generation to generation in a culture where so many are walking away from God, who, who are saying, who is the Lord that I should believe in him? Let there be a generation that says in the closed doors, within our homes, in our most sacred places, let me teach you of the Lord and where I've seen him in my life this year. And, and to give a new story, mm. you know, because the children of Israel beforehand, if you, what's your story? And like, we, we're slaves, we're oppressed, we're forgotten. Mm. And when they go out into the wilderness, they'll meet these other nations and they'll have experiences where they'll begin to think that they are somebody else. And then the Lord is saying for them once a year, come back and re-ground yourself and re-root yourself in your story. Mm. In Your identity is we're the people God set free by the blood of the lamb. That is who we are. Mm. And let it be a continual remembrance. And when I read this verse where it says, when your children shall say unto you, what mean ye by this service? It, it like, it just reminds me of sitting in a sacrament meeting. Mm. You know, when, when the Lord, we still, it says we'll participate in this forever. The Lord's people will. And on the night of his sacrifice at a Passover meal, he changed the method of remembrance and he still kept a meal and he still kept the symbolism of, of a lamb that was slain, right? Mm. And he switched the ordinance and he says, keep doing this forever. And week by week now, gather together and, and tell yourself the story. Remind yourself who you really are, that you're the people that God set free. And it seems so powerful to enter into a sacrament room and have the children say, why do we do this? How can, mm. we, how can we have this experience every week, Dad? Mom, and, and 27, and you will say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord who, who set us free. And, and our story will be the same one, mm -hmm. but we'll say on, on Calvary's cross, the lamb who, who was slain. And let's take that sacrifice, that blood, and put it on us as a, as a token of who we are and what we believe in. And, and a witness. Right. And right. a witness of, of what we believe. Yeah. So it's a story that's still our story. Mm -hmm. And we're still being rerouted and regrounded in it, you know, every, every single week. Yeah. So good. And maybe that's the question you take this week to sacrament. Who is the Lord? And think through your week, where has deliverance come? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. See you in the Red Sea next <laughs> week. <laughs> this audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.